Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Marty Caldwell. I'd like to invite you to our website also. It's letstalkadoption.com, where you can learn more about adoption and listen to past shows. If you have adoption questions or comments about the show, any suggestion, we'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at info at letstalkadoption.com. Today we have a very serious topic, but a very important one. Um, we're going to be sharing today about how birth parents can overcome birth parent rejection. And this is very important. Many people don't talk about it, but it is out there, and we want to be able to help uh, many children and adults um, that have entered families through adoption and even foster care um, overcome some of the rejection they may feel, uh, even secretly. Um, Our guest today is Paul Russell. Paul is a successful business owner now. He and his wife have been happily married for 21 years, and they have two great sons. They live in Texas, and he is also, as I mentioned, an adult adoptee. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Marty. How you doing? Great. You know, Paul, your life wasn't always as good as it is today, was it? No, it wasn't. Tell me. It was very, very bad. Yeah, very bad. And, you know, when I, I got your bio here, um, it really made me stand back, and I, I, I had so much compassion for what you've gone through, but also how you've been so blessed, and here yeah. now, years later, have made something so wonderful out of your life, and, and that's what I want to share in the next half hour with our listeners. Right. I understand you were born uh, to a young teenage couple that divorced because they couldn't cope with having a baby. Uh, what happened after that? Tell me a little bit about your, your, your beginnings. Sure. This um, took place in the mid-50s, Marty. This Mm -hmm. was uh, some time ago, and my birth mother uh, tried to take care of me alone, uh, Mm -hmm. but she finally became overwhelmed. She was a young teenage girl, uh, became overwhelmed uh, trying to make ends meet and take care of me. So when I was eight months old, she ended up abandoning me at a daycare center. She just left you there? Yes, and didn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. I was turned over to the child welfare services after that. Mm Mm-hmm. And later, you were then adopted. Uh, for a while, you were in there, but you were adopted by a childless couple. But that, too, was pretty uh, pretty sorrowful. Tell me a little bit about the family that adopted you. I was adopted, uh, it was actually Christmas of 1956, when I was a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. And my adoptive dad uh, was an airline pilot. Mm-hmm. And my mom had been a stewardess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were in their late 20s, mm-hmm. were unable to have children. In fact, she could not have children. And... Um, he uh, really never was in favor of the adoption. He finally gave in to her insistence. She wanted to have children, and he finally agreed. But, uh, you know, the sad thing was that over the years, he became very bitter about it. He mm-hmm. did not want it, and it kind of got to be a sore spot with him. And he would often uh, drink, and he would often beat my, my adoptive mom mm-hmm. when he'd get drunk, and he'd call her a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, his whole side of the family hated her because of it. Just uh, one of those things, I guess. Uh, uh, just, just he couldn't help it. He just mm-hmm. didn't ever want that. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he didn't treat me very much uh, as a son. He ignored me mostly, mm-hmm. and really didn't spend a lot of time with you. Now he had a real problem with anger and violence, um, and again because of the whole situation with that. Um, so here you were. Um, you know, rejected by both your birth parents and then your adoptive dad. Mm-hmm. How did that 
affect you emotionally as a, as a kid? Because how old were you, you know, when you finally realized that you, know, you, you were in that home for quite a long time? I think it was when I was around six, seven years old, I realized that there was something really wrong with my family. Um, I can remember uh, one fight in particular where he really beat her up, and, and I realized that something was wrong. And, and I, I also recognized that he didn't treat me like other kids. Um, uh, their, their dads treated them, and he ignored me. He was gone about half the time anyway as a pilot. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was... Uh, I felt very rejected, very worthless. Uh, he would oftentimes, when he was drunk, tell me I was, you know, stupid and mm-hmm. would never amount to anything. He really didn't a lot have of much verbal to do abuse. With me. Mm-hmm. A lot of verbal abuse. Yes, a lot of verbal, uh, verbal mental abuse. Mm-hmm. Just really, uh, you know, you try to please your dad. You you want to mm-hmm. be accepted, and mm-hmm. he just constantly pushed me away, and mm-hmm. it just really wrecked me. I felt worthless. I did very poorly in school because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't focus on anything. It was just uh, something that over those years was just uh, got worse and worse. Did you ever have any siblings either? Yes. Uh, we actually, um, they adopted another, um, my brother, uh, about three years later. Mm-hmm. And um, it was at that point right after that is when most of the um, the abuse started. I mm-hmm. think it got to a point with him that it just was not going to, to work. And mm-hmm. that's when I, when it really began to, to take hold. And, and you know, as a child, you don't realize it's alcoholism, it's a disease, that there are other, you know, other things going on, and it's not your fault. But as a child, you probably felt like this was a lot your fault. Yes, I did. I blamed myself, I think, for, for everything. I wondered what was wrong with me. And, and of course, the alcohol was something that uh, was always present, and I didn't know any different. I thought everybody's family was like ours. Mm-hmm. And because your mother started drinking also then. Yes, she did. Yeah, and that's really, really um, sad because you grew up in that you know, probably constant fears and, and the verbal abuse, too. Yeah. So they, they continue to fight and, 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 and drink. And um, you mentioned, too, that uh, your dad had numerous affairs, and then he left your mom. Yes, when I was 13, he finally left. He mm-hmm. never hid the fact he had affairs. He'd, he'd often just make a, a boast of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's one of those things he continued to blame her and, mm-hmm. and would rub it in her face. And mm-hmm. uh, he finally left us when I was 13 and never had much to do with this after that and just kind of uh, abandon you all then again so then you had another rejection and abandonment yes on top of that how did you cope uh you know paul during those that period of time th- those dark days they must have been horrible for you as a child a teenager yes i i had very poor self-image and really thought i was worthless uh, like i said my grades were suffering at school but uh, i was very thankful um when i was around 14 15 i had some friends that invited me to a church church youth group mm-hmm. and uh, I eventually uh, came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior mm-hmm. and that was the real turning point in my life. Mm-hmm. I realized uh, through the Bible that God saw me in a whole different way. He had mm-hmm. a plan for my life. He saw me as a special person mm-hmm. and that really did a lot for my heart. It changed my whole outlook, my attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grades started improving wow. uh, and even though things were still not good in my life it seemed to be the anchor I had, and it made uh, it basically encouraged me to go forward and achieve all I could. And it, it was that's how I coped in that time. And that's really wonderful, and that's a really encouragement for us to remember other kids that are out there right now that might be even going through this as we're speaking. That you know, to invite them because children need to be out of that environment. Invite them to church. Invite them to youth group. Uh, you got you were involved with um, was it Royal Rangers or uh, a scouting group? 
yes, I got involved, uh, you know, uh, as a young boy, I was always looking for something else to kind of uh, get into and, and take my mind off mm-hmm. the home problems. And, uh, again, I got involved in scouts. Mm-hmm. I had done okay in that, but eventually became an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. So you, you saw an accomplishment in that, and that really helps you too. Yes. Tell me, did you talk to your mom then about your, your um, you know, you found, um, you know, beliefs in, in the Lord. Did you talk to her about that when you got home? Yes, I did. One thing I, I need to mention is my dad was an atheist. He was a very outspoken atheist mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. He really uh, wanted nothing to do with God in our home. Mm-hmm. And my mom was not necessarily that way, but she uh, obviously did not uh, attend church and didn't encourage us that much to go to church. Mm-hmm. And as I began to talk to her about Christ, uh, she was receptive, uh, very guarded, but receptive. And uh, she was devastated by the divorce. She was um, blamed herself for it. She mm-hmm. was a very loving woman and, and you know, blamed herself for her failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, she began to drink. And in fact, uh, unfortunately, by the time I was 18, she drank herself to death. Wow. And, uh, but well, before that time, um, over uh, the few years that I had with her at that point, uh, she finally got to the point where she recognized the need for a Savior, and she received Christ as her Savior. And, That's right. And actually straightened out a little while. Um, unfortunately, her body was already damaged, and, right. and it, uh, it did its effect to her. The years of abuse really yes. were tough, but at least you were able to talk to her, and, and that was important, too. You know, I want to share, too, I know that in your bio you mentioned, too, that you were actually nominated to attend the U.S. Naval Academy later on. Um, That's right. You know what? I, I, you've done so well. For, for the circumstances you came out of. And it really shows that, you know, with with uh, a little bit of help and direction and, and your faith, it sounds like your faith really carried you a long way. It made a huge difference in my life. Mm-hmm. We, we've encouraged our boys to invite their friends from school. Uh, they may not even know them very well, but if they will invite them to their church youth group, it can make all the difference in the life of a kid that may be having problems you don't even know exist. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we look okay on the outside, but we may be bleeding on the inside. That's right. That's and, how I was. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and you probably look just fine and kind of put a smile on there, but really hurting. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are in the same way. And, and if you don't have someone to reach out, is to reach out yourself, you know, and, and get into a, a group if you're, if you're a young person or a single person or, you know, uh, even married, uh, to reach out to other people because uh, make yourself available and don't wait for someone even to come and, you know, get you. That's right. I think that's important, too, especially for, for women that have gone through adoption and, and for adoptees. Uh, a lot of times they feel alone. You mentioned that God allowed you to miraculously meet your birth father later in life. After all that happened, what motivated you to search for your birth father? <laughs> you know, uh, I guess the rejection of my adoptive father, you know, kind of spurred me on to wonder endlessly about what was the circumstance of my birth, why was I rejected, you know, what was wrong with me. And One day I ran across some papers that my mom uh, had stored away, and within just a few days I was able to figure out, uh, you know, who my, my parents were and basically uh, where my uh, birth father was. Mm-hmm. I was able to go and uh, actually I went on a business trip and went, took an afternoon off and went by city he lived, the town he lived in, mm-hmm. he was, I, did, I had no intention of meeting him, I just, you know, just kind of wanted to go and get a feel for where he was and kind of start some connection, and a strange series of events occurred, and I ended up uh, at the house of a, uh, a man that knew him, and ended up being his father, which would be my grandfather, <laughs> and he sat me down and 
told me what had happened. Wow, so you finally got the story. Yes, I did. The skinny. How did that help? Oh, it was it was immense help. Um, a lot of things had gone on in my life prior to that that I began to figure it out. Um, when I was, uh, you know, in high school, I had several friends that um, they became parents. I mean, high school teenagers, they became parents. They were unable to cope with having children at that age. So you understood, you saw it firsthand. Yes, I did. And that, that did a lot for me there. That already prepared my heart for a lot. I, I realized that we make mistakes. and mm-hmm. We live in an imperfect world. And, and yet I saw my friends struggle with that issue, and, and they ended up giving their children up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And it was an act of love. Yeah. It wasn't one of rejection. And that, and that alone helped me to get over a lot of that rejection. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that it was really an act of trying to help their child have the yeah. best future they could. Well, I think that's really important, and we're going to continue on with this conversation. We're going to take a quick break here, and we come back. We're going to share more about how an adult adoptee or adoptee can overcome rejection of their birth parent through grace. So we'll be right back after this quick message. On my 18th birthday, I made a decision that would affect me forever. I chose life for my baby. I wasn't ready to be a mom or even to change my dreams of being a singer. Many of my friends offered to help me end my pregnancy. But then I learned about another option that provides a beautiful life for my baby, adoption. I was able to choose my son's parents and even meet them at the hospital. They love him so much and he's an answer to their prayers. I get emails and pictures from them. I even travel to visit my son each year. He has wonderful parents, an awesome life and a solid future, everything I wanted for him. And now, I've even moved to Nashville to follow my dreams. I chose life. I chose adoption. Open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family, how much contact you want, and how you want the adoption to happen. To learn more about adoption, call 1-800-923-6784 or visit LifetimeAdoption.com. You can speak with a compassionate counselor confidentially 24 hours a day. Call Lifetime at 1-800-923-6784. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on KFIA AM 710. If you just joined us in the program, we're talking today about overcoming birth parent rejection, a very important topic too. And um, we'd also like to hear from you. So if you have a question or information you'd like to have regarding adoption or any of the topics we speak on, please email me at info at letstalkadoption.com. Before we left on break, um, we were speaking with our guest, uh, Paul Russell, um, Paul, you know, you shared a lot about, you know, the tragedies that, that happened in your life prior to, um, you know, you becoming a Christian. Um, your mother your mother rejected you to band you in, um, in, a, in a daycare when you're eight months old, and then you were adopted. Your adoptive father um, beat your mother and was an alcoholic and left, and then eventually your mother died, your, your mom through adoption. So now you're back where you actually got some information from your family um, about your birth father. And you've gathered this information and realized that this was a teenage couple with a lot of struggles in their life. You went to meet him. What was that 
first meeting like? Tell us what was said, what was done, what was it like? Well, when I first met my birth father, it really blew me away. Um, I remember opening the door. Uh, he was standing there and came in, sat down, and the first words he said to me were to ask if I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that really blew me away. I was just wow. overwhelmed, and I, I told him yes, um, and I related how that happened. And um, he told me that uh, when I was born, he was young and foolish, and that he deeply regretted what had happened, and that he um, condemned himself, you know, continually through his life, mm-hmm. and that he had uh, finally grown up, matured, and uh, started going to church, and had uh, found Christ, and uh, began to pray for me every day. He said, mm-hmm. I began to pray for you every day. Wow, the power of prayer. Yes. And uh, he prayed that, you know, God would take care of me and that even though he didn't know where I was or what was going on in my life, that God would, would uh, you know, bless me and, mm-hmm. you know, help me to receive him as Savior and, and to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day meet him again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so key because we forget that how powerful our prayers are. Yes. I always imagine that, uh, you know, I tell my children when we come upon people or situations or even accidents to say a prayer because we may be the only people that God has in that circumstance, to pray for that person. Right. And the continual prayers of parents, whether it's birth parents or adoptive parents, are so powerful, more so than we actually know. And this is a perfect example that your birth father never forgot about you. No, he didn't. And, you know, the neat thing, we compared dates of when he started praying for me and when I received Christ. And, you know, that was less than one year apart. Wow. <laughs> that was pretty quick. And that's a pretty miraculous, um, that's amazing, too. So that's you, about, go ahead. Pardon me, but that's about the time my life really started turning around, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that prayer in there, and you didn't even know. I mean, so often we don't know what's happening. Uh, you know, things are happening in our life, and we don't realize that people are praying for us, too. So during this period of time, did this help you overcome any feelings of a rejection? Oh, yes. It was mm-hmm. tremendous. It helped me in uh, the fact that I knew that someone really loved me it it showed me that it wasn't a matter of rejection it was a matter of uh, of the circumstance when they were very young and couldn't take care of me they didn't have really any other choices mm-hmm. uh, it really helped me i i think that more than than uh, you know after seeing it my own friends go through that growing up a little more than meeting my birth father and recognizing he was in that same situation it melted all that all that uh, anger that fear that rejection, all those feelings went away. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. And, you know, not everyone's going to have the reunion, you know, like that, um, which is hard. You know, do you have some suggestions? You know, what would you say to a birth parent that has, you know, that has that is struggling with regrets about placing a child for adoption or, you know, a birth father or a birth mother? Because many times birth fathers don't think and they don't talk about their feelings. And birth mothers, you know, know it's the best, but they still have some some regrets that they had to do that. What, what would you say to them since you've, you've you're, you're firsthand you've been there? I would say, please, please, please stop blaming yourself for your past situations and decisions. Uh, you know, you did the best thing you could at the time. So, you know, forgive yourself. Yeah. God's, let me God's, know. Let me know. Pardon me? Mm-hmm. So, so just tell them not to blame themselves because I think it's really crucial. Yes. You know, because people, they blame themselves and they hold that for years and years over their head. And I really 
I think it prevents them from really having the joy that they, they can have in their life and realizing that the circumstances at that time, and that's why I tell people to journal. You know, journal as you're going through it right now because 5, 10, 15 years from now, you're going to forget the feelings that you had and the reasons that you actually decided on adoption. And by going back and seeing that in your own hands, in your own words, really help a lot. Yes, I, I think they, they would see that it was an act of love. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't one of, of uh, any other motivation. If they'll just remember they're doing that, uh, you know, years later, uh, I think they'll, they'll uh, get over that condemnation. Mm-hmm. If you knew you did something out of love for your child, uh, how, what else can you do at that point? Right. And you know what? Uh, your mom probably did everything. Your birth mother probably did everything she possibly could yeah. to do what she could to take care of you. And she just broke. And that's why... Um, you know, I, we see a lot of situations where the stress is just more than people can handle. And that's really nice to be able to reach out. And if you see someone struggling, offer to babysit, offer to help out, um, take a, a bag of groceries over, um, you know, offer to do something when you see someone. Because it's really important that um, people reach out to help others so that the decision is made because they really can't, they don't have anything else they can do. That's right. And I think that's important. She probably didn't have a lot, too. You know, God really blessed you in so many ways right now. Paul, you have got a successful business. You've got a wonderful wife. And with 21 years of marriage and two great sons, um, you know, you've, you've overcome so much um, at this point in your life. And I think that's great for people to see that because often we never hear the end of the story. Um, we never know that, you know, that by the grace of God, you grew up in become a successful businessman and father and, and husband. Um, and um, you've been teaching adult Bible studies now for 10 years. Yes. And I think that's really important. You've got a lot of, you know, wonderful goals uh, in your life, too. You know, when you're talking to, we're talking, our listeners are both birth parents, adoptive parents, professionals, adoptees. Um, when you're speaking to others who have had less than a perfect life, either, you know, people in a biological family, um, feel rejection. Mm-hmm. People in foster homes feel rejection, or group homes, or adoptive homes. Um, you know, looking back now, you've shared a lot of of those feelings in there too. But um, what can you say to a young adult at this point that's in a foster home, um, you know, or even a biological home, and saying, "I wish I had been adopted." You know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have issues, but you had some serious ones. What would you say? to encourage them, to let them know their love, because sometimes that was really hard to penetrate. They don't feel love, they don't see it, they don't hear it, they don't believe it. I would, I would say that they, they just need to realize that even though they may not experience on a day-to-day basis, they don't see it in front of them. They, it, it was an act of love that mm-hmm. they're in that situation. and it, uh, The world is a very hard place, mm-hmm. and we need to forgive one another it's it's we all make mistakes you know i remember when i realized hey uh i'm not perfect Mm -hmm. (laughs) you get to that point where you can uh, hopefully forgive others and realize that uh, people are put in tight situations so that that young teen or that person that has grown up with that feeling rejection or they feel like they're not loved uh, i didn't know that i was loved Mm -hmm. i didn't know that i was so uh missed cared for mm-hmm. uh, by someone else's heart every day to pray for me. Mm-hmm. They don't know that either. They, and they may never know that. They have to go exactly. on faith on that too. They, they could have be to take, faith, take it by faith that, yeah. that uh, it will work out. Yeah. 
Well, Paul, you know, you've been a great guest today, and I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your heart with our listeners. I believe your advice will help many listeners heal from the past disappointments and experience the healing powers of grace and forgiveness. So thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Marty. All right. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, I just want to encourage you today that if you have any questions and would like more, let me know. Uh, This is Marty Caldwell. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Please visit us next week. Until then, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. This is Marty. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.